When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Fantasy football here. It's week 18 of NFL action. I'm Cody Rourke, your host of the show here today. And as we go through, we went through NFL news and analysis in the prior hour. This hour, we're talking all things fantasy football. And to bring on our special guest here, my guest analyst, it's Pro Football Network's fantasy analyst. It's Tommy Garrett. Let's welcome Tommy into the show. Tommy, my friend, hey, it's great to see you once again, my friend. I know we had a chance to chat earlier on in the week, but for all things fantasy football, you're my go-to guy. You're many people's go-to guy. How you doing today on this beautiful Friday, my friend? Just one day away from the actual start of the Week 18 regular season. Yeah, I'm good, man. It's good to be back. Uh, it's still weird. I can't get my head around the fact that it's Week 18. Uh, I feel like just a month ago, we were yelling about prospects on who was supposed to be drafted in what order. Uh, so I don't know how we got here. I'm glad we have. Because uh, for a little bit of there, I was kind of wondering if we were going to finish out the season or not. But you know, it's it's kind of good to be here. We kind of get a little bit chance to solidify these playoff positions, how these teams are kind of going to shake out. Well, and obviously in this week, it's very tough, I think, from a fantasy perspective. Yeah. There's some teams that are going to be resting players. Like if you have Joe Burrow, he's not going to play this week for you. So if you are playing and you're in your championship league, one of those tough, uh, tough dilemmas. I, I, I think fantasy leagues, I posted out to the league that I'm in, Tommy. I said, hey, guys, why don't we just have the playoffs begin in week 13, 14, 15, yeah. or maybe week 14, 15, 16. And then that's it. Like we're, we're done with it because everything changes with the, the additional week yeah. added in now. I mean, we don't see a lot of players play as is in week 16, hardly anymore, but even like a week 17 officially, I just think it's, it's frustrating. It's overdrawn. Yeah. I think whatever your settings were last year, probably just like extend it one week further and cut it off. Like if you had a championship in week 16 last year, it should be the week 17 this year. Like I don't, unless you had like a default setting, on some some side or whatever you're playing on there really shouldn't be too much of a reason to be playing in week 18 like there's too many variables already in the nfl like it's a bunch of grown men playing around on a football field with an oddly shaped ball that bounces in really weird directions like let's not make this more complicated than it has to be so yeah i'm, I'm kind of all with you like as much as i love this game and playing it like i'm okay if i lose one extra week just to maintain some of my sanity yeah no i'm with you there ladies and gentlemen uh you know outside of that too week 18 at the end of the season we're going to have some coaches around the NFL that are going to be fired. Uh, it, there's also this dilemma, this discussion, right? I think with the Antonio Brown stuff that's kind of going on, mm -hmm. you know, everyone's talking about that, but I think the bigger picture when you look at, at it in general is really has to go back to some incentives in his contract, right? And I think that you brought up a great point when we talked this morning in our production meeting, you know, the let's talk about this from a fantasy, uh, fantasy perspective. If there are yeah. players out there that have these incentives in their contracts for yards, for catches, I mean, how does that impact it, especially like if you're on a team that doesn't do those things? I mean, how do, how do you go about that? I think it's interesting because it kind of gets into the whole psychology of what motivates a top athlete um, when there is no longer the team oriented goal and aspect. Like at what point does all of a sudden turn into, OK, I'm now trying to take care of myself. And that kind of goes for everyone, like yeah. to a certain extent, like we all kind of have like our own goals and ambitions and drives. But we also try to focus on, you know, kind of moving collectively together wherever you work at, whether it's a group of friends or whatever you're trying to do to benefit everyone else around you. But at the end of the season, when, you know, you're sitting this really close to, you know, a, a milestone, like. Do you put that bug in the coach's ear? It's all of a sudden, hey, look, I kind of got this the coming up in my contract. We negotiated with it, and I'd like to hit this goal. Like we saw last year, like let's talk about Antonio Brown. Like we saw the Tim Bay Buccaneers pepper him with targets as Tom Brady wanted to get his friend all the extra money that he could. Um, and I think there's a couple interesting ones kind of throughout this uh, this little little part of the week. Um, I know one like defensively, like Xavier Howard for the Miami Dolphins. Like this is a game where for the Dolphins, they don't really have anything to play for other than to play spoiler. Um, but in his contract, he needs to play over 90% to unlock um, some extra cash uh, for this year and for next year. He's at 90.2%. So in a game where you might not want to play your very best player in the in, on your team, like defensively at least, you're going to have to play him just to give him that that bonus. Um, there's no like you go to Arizona and like with AJ Green, he's got one. You know, Stefan Diggs, he has one where it actually unlocks extra money for the next two seasons <laughs> if he gets six receptions. Like, so it's it's a difference of like, okay, there's players who we expect to be heavily involved, so nothing really changes. But like when we talk, I'll probably talk about AJ Green here in a little bit. Like for him to hit his incentives, 
it would be an outlier game. So it kind of gives you a little bit of a mindset like, okay, they probably plugged into the coach and hey, look, this guy, you got this guy coming up on something. So let's try to get him the ball a little bit more. Oh yeah. Wide receivers. They're, they're, they're in their quarterbacks here a little bit extra. Like, you know, Hey, I got you this week, baby. You know, if you help me get this, I'll take yeah. you out to dinner stuff like that. I, it was I actually it was totally Chuck Pagano. That. He was on the Pat McAfee show on one of their days. And he actually said when he was with the Colts, a, a, a runner or whoever it was would actually come to him before the game and say, Hey, look, these guys are coming up on either it's records or on milestones or incentives. So he was actually aware. So I would assume that mother, other coaches of the NFL are probably kind of doing the same thing. God, you know how hard that would be. I, I'm imagining right now as a coach, like having to like figure out how to just call the game, manage the game, and then think about guys who have these incentives at the same time. I see that's when that's you're Urban Meyer path. and you say you don't need to care or take responsibility for the players that are in the game. That's you why take the Urban Meyer approach. That's why Chuck like Pagano. He wanted to change the NFL, and you know he he was on his way to do it. Yeah, no, I, we love Chuck Pagano. Obviously, a fantastic coach, does really oh, well question. connecting with his players. I know we're going to miss seeing him on the sidelines. I know he was done after that D.C. stint in Chicago. But, yeah. ladies and gentlemen, you know, we're going to talk about the Chicago Bears here. And, obviously, the defense has something to do with it. But let's talk about our quarterback start sit here in Week 18. First off, Tommy, you have it listed that fantasy managers should start. Kirk Cousins against the Chicago Bears defense. Let's talk about a little bit more why. Yeah, the COVID Cowboy is back. After saying he would die on this hill, he's back now in the NFL, and I kind of expect him to have a little bit of a decent game. Uh, the last time he was out, Week 16 against the Los Angeles Rams, completes 27 of his 38 passing attempts, so over 300 yards, throws a touchdown and a pick. The thing with him is a little bit, it's consistency, and it's kind of been like the motto of his career for these past couple seasons. 17-plus points in seven of his last eight games. He has over 250 passing yards in half his games this season. Uh, the Bears is actually a pretty decent matchup. Uh, they've allowed three of their last five opposing quarterbacks to score at least 20 fantasy points. They're 18th on the season in points allowed. It's a game where how much are the Bears trying to actually win right now? Because they know they're moving forward because uh, Matt Nagy isn't going to be on this team anymore. Ryan Pace probably won't be around with this team. So they're just trying to move forward with the pieces they have and get into the offseason. I wonder how much that kind of plays into a role. All these games being divisional, that always kind of adds a little bit of an extra element into about not wanting to lose. But it's kind of hard for me to see the Bears kind of getting up for this game. So I can see Kirk Cousins actually having a pretty decent outing for this one. I was going to say, too, especially coming off – these two teams met a few weeks ago, and it yeah. was Kirk Cousins' worst output of his career, which frustrated me because I was in my fantasy championship, and mm -hmm. he lost me the game, unfortunately, because of his performance. Outside of that – look, I, I got sour grapes here. I There's been a lot of talk about Kirk Cousins, maybe this being his last year. I don't think so. I think he's going to stay in Minnesota. There's too much money left on his contract. Easily. You don't want to bite that, especially if you just paid him a lot of money. But yeah. let's go to another guy that just got paid a lot of money this season. That's going to be the other quarterback you recommend to start this week, and that is Taysom Hill, New Orleans Saints quarterback, athlete, running back, extraordinaire, punt returner, punt blocking guy, whatever. I mean, he can do it all here. Start him against the Atlanta Falcons this week, and as we've seen, the Falcons, their defense has been rough outside of A.J. Terrell this Absolutely. season. The Falcons in general have been rough altogether. Yeah, and the thing with Taysom Hill is like, okay, which big contract are we talking about when he got paid? Because he's had a couple different ones. It's been really interesting. Uh, but that's a topic for a different day. But yeah, he came back, had a decent game after his first game back off the COVID list. 17 of 28 passing, 228 yards. Uh, also gets a touchdown that one as his traditional like 45 yards on the ground on 12 carries against Carolina. Like you said, the Falcons are just not a good football team. They're another team sitting here in the middle of a transition period. They don't even know if their star wide receiver is going to be coming back next year. So there's just so many pieces that are up in the air. Uh, the Saints still have something to play for right now. Falcons are 30th on uh, 30th on the season right now and fancy points allowed to the quarterback. Taysom Hill with that rushing upside, a decent little connection going with Marquez Callaway here recently. Got Alvin Kamara still in the backfield, which is always going to be a threat to get you some cheap yards on the dump off plays, which is what he did all the time with Drew Brees. So I like Taysom Hill as a low in QB1. Uh, I like that as well, especially for, you know, the dynamic he provides just in, we talk about volume, right? As yeah. a passer, look, I think he's actually been more, you know, more efficient passer the last few weeks than he has a rusher, which has been mm -hmm. really weird. But, you know, he's he's the guy that could do it all. The only thing, I, you know, I'm waiting to see is for him to throw a touchdown pass, rush for one, and also have a receiving one. Again, we want to see that double, that trifecta hit. If that would again. happen, like, this is the week to do it. I could absolutely see that, point, <laughs> that happen. I wonder what the parlay would be for that. That would be oh a heck gosh. of a payout. I might look into that if they actually have something. Yeah, like I might that. sprinkle that one a little. This bit. is a must-win game for the Saints, though. So it's like they're they're it not going to go out there and play it, you know, play it easy against the Atlanta yeah. Falcons. And that's the thing we, we have to all think about. It's it's not just the players. It's what do these teams have to play for? Like if they don't have anything, not. they're going to be resting these players. Like you talked about earlier, like with Joe Burrow, the Green Bay Packers. Like at least one of those teams, we know what's going to happen. When it comes to Green Bay Packers, I ain't got a clue. Like I'm not going to sit here and try to lie to you guys and act like I know what the Green Bay Packers are going to do. 
No one does. Like all we know is they're going to start Aaron Rodgers, and then apparently Matt Lafleur is going to make a decision based on how the game goes, which means he's going to let Aaron Rodgers tell him what he wants to do. So I mean, it's, I have no idea. I know it's a, it's a tough position to be in if you're a fantasy manager. But let's go to uh, the sit recommendations by you here this week, Tommy. We're going to go to Miami Dolphins quarterback Tua Tungavailoa and taking on the New England Patriots. Now, obviously, for the Patriots, some storylines in this game. Look, they're playing for more seating in the playoff positioning realm of things. They're tra- they're playing to also try to hope to lock up the AFC East. They'd have to win and hope that Buffalo loses against the Jets. But for Tua Tungavailoa, this could actually be his last game as a Miami Dolphin. So. Uh, you know, you've got him on your sit wire this week. It's like, what's the thing is like, just for the job you want, not the job you have. <laughs> like right now, Tua is like, okay, I'm putting out film. I don't know what's going to be for the Dolphins, but who's it going to be for? Like, are we getting to that right now where we think it's going to go back to, you know, like, are they going to be trading for Deshaun Watson or whatever? Who knows? All I know is like, look, Tua has been pretty solid this season. But like last week, like it was a rough outing when they got beat by like 31 points by the Tennessee Titans. Completes 18 of 38 passes, 205 yards, throws a pick in there, and all while the Dolphins fans are calling for him to get benched was the guy. And this is the guy, remember, you were tanking for Tua, and yet here we are, let's ship him off. Um, it's For me, it's a difficult one. Um, I get in the last, like in the last seven of his eight games, he's thrown for 250 or less passing yards. He's only thrown for 300 or more once on the season. And it's, as much as we can play the narrative of the Miami Dolphins, they want to have that repeat of ending the New England Patriots season like they did a couple years ago. And that lasting image of Rob Gronkowski diving and just barely missing as they knocked him off in the final week. And what they all say is, like, hey, we ended the dynasty. It's as much as we want to see that narrative happen again, like, I don't see it happening, at least not with Tua. Like the Patriots, they're number two in, in points allowed to the quarterback position at just over just over 12 fantasy points. It's going to be a difficult one, especially for a New England team that has something to play for. And while the Dolphins sit here and try to want to play spoilers, I just think schematically and just where these two teams are, I just don't see it happening this week. So I'm struggling to find a reason I would want to play Tua. Like the only guy I feel comfortable with is going to be Jalen Waddle, just strictly based on the volume. Yep, waddle watch, baby. That's one thing fantasy managers are looking for this week as well. Let's go to another quarterback that you have listed as a sit recommendation here this week. Despite a performance last week in mm-hmm. his debut as a starting quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers, we're going to look at Trey Lance here, ladies and gentlemen. And I think a lot of the questions here for fantasy managers, Tommy, correct me if I'm wrong. Look, Jimmy Garoppolo has been back practicing this week. He's yep. been limited. There's optimism he could play. Is this the reason that the main reason that you're recommending that fantasy managers maybe sit Trey Lance? this week or is it because they're taking on the LA Rams in that defense or both I think part of it a good portion of this is going to be the matchup I think part of it too is like and it's weird for me to say because I have been a very staunch believer in Trey Lance like I've even said like next year he will be a top five fantasy football quarterback like if he ends up being next year what Lamar Jackson was in 2019 would not be surprised like he's that good of a player this upside is there the players around him are there I can totally see it the thing is last week is like if you look at the box score it was it was perfectly fine. It was adequate. Like sixteen of twenty three, two hundred, nearly two hundred fifty yards. Um, gets thirty one uh, yards on the ground. Eight carries, has two total touchdowns and interception. If you watch the film, he got away with a lot, just strictly off being an incredible athlete. Like there were times where okay, you're backed up in the end zone. They run all slants, and what's he do? Sits there and waits. When he's got both both left hand receivers, including George Kittle on the inside slot, with already three yards of separation just coming out of the break. And he hesitates. He doesn't throw the ball, scrambles out. Then he makes an incredible play with his arm. You see a couple plays later where instead of hitting the the tight end on the little peel out, he forces the ball over top and fits in an incredible window in cover two. Like this is the thing he can do. Like it's I think it's um it's Ian Cummings, one of our, our PFN analysts here. Like he calls it arm arrogance. Like Trey Lance has that. He feels like he can fit a ball in any window. And like it works against the Houston Texans. I don't think that works against the Los Angeles Rams who've had an interception four games in a row. Uh, if you look from fantasy points, 19 or fewer fantasy points in the last eight games, including five in a row with 17 or less. Like I just think some of these mistakes he was able to get away with against a lesser team. He might struggle to do against Los Angeles Rams, especially they're getting pressure on him. I can see him wanting to run the ball a little more, but I think we could see him probably get a few more turnovers if he tries making those exact same plays and they don't build off what he saw last week. Yeah, hard to do that with Leonard Floyd, Aaron Donald in the interior, Von Miller on the opposite outside, and then Jalen Ramsey on the back end of that second. Yep. They just have a lot well, as of... As long left. as Ramsey isn't trying to fight his own DBs. 
Oh, yeah. I mean, just another thing. We saw that two weeks in a row, Tommy. Like, what's going on? That yeah. That's always an interesting dynamic. I, I know things get heated in games. I've had arguments with teammates before, but we've never threw punches at each other. I don't know. I, I wonder what the conversation was like there. I, I would have killed to have them mic'd up on that. But, you know, maybe one day it'll get released in the archives one day. But kind of Can they also release Antonio Brown audio, too? Like, uh, I think we'd all kind of like to hear that. Or why are we just that, holding on to that? I don't know. That might be more damaging than anything. I, I, who knows? I, then again, like I said, we saw the the text message. Damaging for who? Da- who knows? I think maybe for our ears and just our sanity in general. I mean, look, the guy likes girls who lick toilet seats. That's it. I'm not going to go any further than that. Let's go to the running back position here, Tommy. Here today, in terms of our NFL starts uh-huh. sit here in Week 18. Devin Singletary of the Buffalo Bills. Look, the Buffalo Bills take on the New York Jets. They have a lot to play for. They win. They win the AFC East division. And we talk about really just going back at, at the running game this year for the Buffalo Bills. At the beginning of the season, it's pretty good. There was a stark difference at you know kind of the midway point where they started to fall off. They struggled. Guys were turning the ball over. Why Devin Singletary this week against the Jets? A big thing like you talk about is like we've kind of seen this change in the Buffalo Bills offense. Like for the past couple of seasons, we've wanted to say, okay, like if you had a consistent guy you stuck with in the backfield, he would be an incredible asset. And we've kind of seen them rotate guys out with Matt Breida, Zach Moss, Devin Singletary. But as of right now, like Devin Singletary has turned into the guy last week, 23 carries, 110 yards and two touchdowns against Atlanta. Like I said, we know it's not a great team, but taking advantage of a matchup is what these guys are supposed to do. In the last four games, 61 rushes for nearly 300 yards and four touchdowns while adding 86 yards on 12 receptions on 12 targets. In those four games, that's 73.3 PPR points, which places them as the RB3 over these last four weeks. The big thing for me is that we're seeing a difference inside the red zone. Inside the 10-yard line, he had five carries, which is massive when we consider that this was always Josh Allen's role. He actually, Josh Allen, I believe last week, only had two carries inside of the last in, inside of the 10 yard line last week. And he's just completely taken over this backfield. And just look in terms of the snap carries, uh, he's played, he actually has 73 touches compared to everyone else in the backfield at just 13. You look over these last season, no one has allowed more fantasy points to the running backs than the New York Jets. Devin Singletary, phenomenal low in RB1 this week. Oh, obviously, maximize your opportunities, fantasy managers. And look, you know, Tommy, I want to get you know a penny for your thoughts here. Let's talk about Rashad Penny, listed as one of your guys to start. And look, he's been we've been talking about him the last three weeks, man. Yeah, they don't pay the big bucks for a reason there now, do they? Uh, the big <laughs> thing with Rashad Penny, like I said, he's taking advantage of his opportunity. And it's the first time we've seen him healthy since 2018 uh, when the Seattle Seahawks draft him over top of Nick Chubb. And look, he's finally playing well. Last week against the Detroit Lions, 25 carries, 270 yards, two touchdowns, gets 15 more yards through the air. These last couple weeks, if you look over his last uh, over his last four games, 17.2 carries per game, 120 yards, and 1.3 touchdowns is his average. In games where Rashad Penny, I got to give credit, this was Kate Madzuk. Uh, she works with the NFL now. She put this stat out. I can't take credit for it, but this was phenomenal. I love this one. In games where he has seen 12 or more carries, 100 yards in every single game, mm. one or more touchdowns in every single game, He's averaging 7.9 yards per carry and 23 and a half fancy points per game when he sees 12 or more. He's wow. going to get the volume. He's going to see it against Arizona. Rashad Penny, fire him back up. Well, you also have to factor in as well. I mean, if Green Bay at some point, let's say they get a big lead and they pull their starters on offense and defense, more opportunities yep. for him to eat, which, you know, I think it is is great. I mean, actually, outside of that, sorry, I just got completely tongue twisted there. Uh, against the, you know, the Seahawks. Yeah. The Seahawks and the Cardinals. The Cardinals, like I said, that defense that they have, you you do have an opportunity to kind of run away you with do. it there because uh, if I if I'm Vance Joseph I'm not playing my stars and not to mention we got rumors of uh, you know JJ Watt returning in the first round I'm not he gonna was activated today so that's a massive just like I don't know how JJ Watt does it like whether it's a hyperbaric chamber whether he's laying in a back to pool or whether it's the lakes in Wisconsin where he's just chilling in that guy can recover quicker I know what it than is. anything like he can he can afford to get hurt because he recovers so quickly like you should not come back from that kind of shoulder injury. Nah, well, you know, Deer Antler Spray, Ray Lewis did it for a big-time playoff run back in 2012 in his swan song. Oh, God, this I remember when Deer Antler Spray was a thing. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't think J.J. Watt does it. J.J. Watt's a very hard oh. – dude, this guy literally sits in glacier baths, so I, I wouldn't ever suspect J.J. Watt doing any, putting anything bad in his body. That was just a little mm-hmm. jab by me, a little joke Maybe there. a couple beers here now and then. 
but yeah, no, I could I could see the Cardinals defense resting everybody yeah. there. So we'll, we'll definitely take a look at that. Let's talk about one other guy that you have listed as a start, and that's Darrell Williams of the Kansas City Chiefs against the Denver Broncos. That's the first game we get to see in Saturday's action, primetime ESPN. You get a college football announcing crew on that, which is a little that. interesting. Uh, but for this game, too, the Broncos depleted on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah. They are getting some guys back due to COVID. But more importantly, the Broncos have nothing to play for in this game. And ideally, if I'm Vic Fangio, if I'm the coaching staff, George Payton, I don't want to get any of my key guys hurt going into this offseason. I think that would be a big thing. So I could see maybe why you have Darrell Williams here. For the Chiefs, they have everything to gain here. They yeah. win. They have a chance to win the one seed if Tennessee loses. So it does make sense. Why Darrell Williams, though? And that's one of the things we, well, we're kind of doing these games. Like we always have to kind of wonder about what the matchups are going to be. We know what Kansas City has to do. Like they control their own fate to a certain extent, but they play on Saturday, which means they have to get a win. Like you said, they have everything to play for and they can't, they can afford to sit here and scoreboard watch. Uh, last week, we can, we kind of came into the game wondering, what's it going to be Darrell Williams? What we're going to see a complimentary role with Derek Gore. Pretty, pretty definitively, we can come out here and say Darrell Williams, when Clyde Edwards-Alaire is out, is the number one. Yep. Last week, 14 carries for 88 yards, gets two touchdowns as well, catches all three of his targets for 19 yards. Like I said, when we look at the, the breakdown, a 49 to 8 snap share advantage over Gore, 26 to 4 in the routes ran. I think that's the big thing here. Um, in the six games this season, Clyde Edwards Lair out, Williams has seen at least 16 PPR points in four of those games. Uh, the last time these same teams met up, like you talked about in week 13, he had um, 11 points, which isn't bad considering that Clyde Edwards Lair was still active for this game. Denver Broncos have allowed two different running backs over the past two weeks to rush for over 100 yards each. I can see Darrell Williams probably pushing close to that. As you said, Denver Broncos, not a lot to play for. The Chiefs have all the momentum and something to play for right now. Uh, makes sense for fantasy managers. Now let's get to our sit column here. Corderell Patterson of the Atlanta Falcons taking on the New Orleans Saints, which, look, I mean, you could just tell me that they're playing the Saints, and I'd say, okay, I would sit yeah. Corderell Patterson just because that Saints defense is super stout against the run. I, I would have a very hard time seeing him, especially in this game where the Falcons have nothing to play for. It'd be very hard for them to get rhythm, whereas the Saints, they have everything to play for. Mm -hmm. They win, they're in. I think the weird thing, the Cordero Patterson, he went from being one of the best storylines of the season. Like, how did this guy all of a sudden just start to take off and just flourish in this new role? And it's, I'm starting to wonder if that workload is starting to catch up a little, a little bit. Like, coming into this week, he has 200 touches. Like, over his previous four years combined, he had 220. So he's almost at like that four year, he's almost at that four year average from coming up right now. Um, over the last four weeks, he only combined for 17 PPR points. I think the biggest thing for me is we're kind of seeing a change in not just how he's used, but in how they're using both him and Mike Davis. Like we're starting to see a big reduction in his targets. They're using him more as like a traditional back, which is not where he has found success. Going back to the last time these two teams played, he caught six of six uh, for 126 yards. Like if you're not getting that receiving work, he's certainly not going to do that on the ground and not when he's splitting touches uh, with Mike Davis. Uh, they've got a nearly 50-50 split ratio over these last couple over the last four weeks. And the big thing is Mike Davis has just as many receptions with seven as and he actually has more yards at 64 compared to 29 for just Cordero Patterson. So if we're seeing a split in carries and he's also not getting the receiving work now, he kind of loses all that upside we were clinging to on earlier in the season. Well, let's transition now to Aaron Jones, the Green Bay Packers. I was speaking a little bit ahead a couple of times, a couple of seconds ago for when we were talking about the Real Williams. Aaron Jones, he's listed as one of your sit candidates this week. And obviously, he's been on the injury report this week, been yep. nursing a little bit of a knee injury. He's been limited. Now, it, it, I think in this game, too, everything locked up. I don't believe Matt Floor is going to put him out there one ounce. I think we do see a little bit of A.J. Dillon. We mm -hmm. see the third string running back come in. I just don't see AJ, you know, Aaron Jones being the guy this week, and rightfully so. You want to rest yeah. him up for the playoffs because he's going to be huge. And last year in the NFC Championship game, he had a really kind of bad, sour taste performance that he wants to redeem himself from. He's got to be healthy to do it. And it can't be worse than Kevin King's performance against Mike Evans in that game. Oh, oh my goodness! Can we? I, I, you know, I'm a DB guy, Tommy. That was one of the yep. worst games I've watched. And I think you and I were calling that game on hot. We were. As well. We were calling that game, and we we're like, "What is Kevin King doing?" So I mean, it was. It was Hopefully insane. We don't have to relive that. And there was also that mispass interference, but it, it all came down to Kevin King, which is getting torched all game. Um, but yeah, like when it comes to this one, like it just comes down to the uncertainty. Like there's always that rule of thumb where it says start your studs um, until start your studs doesn't apply anymore. And in week 18, when you already have number one seed, the playoffs, the buy, everything already clinched. 
starting your studs doesn't make a lot of sense right now when it comes to Aaron Jones, who's already starting to watch some of his touches, especially high leverage ones inside the red zone, kind of go away to A.J. Dillon when he's t- mm. taking into the role that Quadzilla, we baby. thought he could coming out of Boston College. Exactly. Quadzilla. Um, we like A.J. Dillon's going to be the up the middle, third down, short goal, where we know that Aaron Jones is your perimeter, your sweeps, your passing game kind of like they have these very complimentary roles. And I think it works great um, from an NFL standpoint. It's a little frustrating fantasy wise. Like I said, when they got nothing really to play for right now, I don't really see Aaron Jones out there too much. Like Aaron, Aaron Rodgers, I can make a case to play him like as a as a high end QB two, low end QB one because I think if he goes out there, he's going to play a half, but I still like him to score at least two touchdowns. Where if I'm only getting a half of Aaron Jones, it's really only a quarter because it's split between him and AJ Dillon, and it's going to be the Aaron Rodgers show. So it's I I have a hard time wanting to sit here and say like play Aaron Jones like if you got him, great, he got you this far. I wouldn't count on him this week. Well, and I think we, we're going to see a situation against the Detroit Lions where Rodgers, yeah. the first drive, is going to come out. He's going to go four for four. He's going to throw a touchdown. They're going to get a quick three and out force on the defense. And then Rodgers is going to go down, lead another touchdown drive. They're going to go up 14 nothing. It's going to be the Jordan Love show the rest of the way. And so then I, he's going to discount double check all the way out of here back to the NFL MVP award. Assume they let him in the building. Oh, man, I, I love it. That'll be fantastic. Well, now let's transition from running backs to wide receivers. And obviously, there's a significant list here this week in terms of starts. And, you know, one of our favorites here, once again, making his appearance, it's Detroit Lions wide receiver Amon Ross St. Brown. For the reasons we outlined a little bit earlier, this could be one of those games where Green Bay goes up a little bit big on Detroit. And so they pull maybe some of their starters out on offense and defense, particularly in that secondary, which does allow Amon Ross St. Brown. I believe it's Jared Goff this week. That's going to be getting the start here. So, you know, Hey, more opportunities for him to have a really big game against the green Bay Packers defense that more than likely will pull their guys at some point. I mean, for those of you guys have been listening for these past couple weeks, you knew this was coming. (laughs) If you've been reading my work since I back last year, you knew this was coming you've heard me on Twitter, like if anything else, like for me not to talk about, about Amon Ross St. Brown one final time, would it just being disingenuous? I have to do it. It's for the brand at this point. Uh, last week caught ele- eight of 10 targets for 111 yards and a touchdown double digit targets in five consecutive games, 43 receptions for almost for over to, uh, 450 yards and four touchdowns while averaging 25 PPR points along the way. Guy's good. He's a wide receiver one this week. Um, Last year in the NFL draft, 16 wide receivers were selected ahead of a Monroe St. Brown. I don't believe there's going to be 16 wide receivers selected ahead of him in upcoming fantasy football drafts. The guy's that good playing this week. Boom, love it. And now let's go to uh, Tampa Bay. There's a, there's one of the targets there that Tom Brady's now getting well acquainted to, and that's Cyril Grayson Jr. You know, and we're going to su- suppress some fire here on this one, Tommy, but they're taking on the Carolina Panthers, who their secondary's been banged up. They obviously lost J.C. Horn. Very disappointing. that They go out and they make a trade for Stephon Gilmore. Now, in this game, I mean, how much will we see of Cyril Grayson and Tom Brady? I mean, look, they're still playing for playoff seating. Yeah. I just don't think that Carolina has enough firepower to really keep up with Tampa Bay, even though the Tampa Bay's offensive weapons are depleted in the last couple of weeks. Yeah, I'm with you. To me, if you're Carolina, you just feel like right now you're in the danger zone or now trying to go up against this kind of matchup. Because, look, <laughs> Cyril Grayson, he's going to do what he's going to do. It's it's kind of amazing for it's a guy who was, wasn't even a football player at LSU. Like, this is a track star, ran the 4 by 400 So it's goes in practice squad in Seattle. We've kind of all heard his story at this point. Like, once a guy kind of breaks out, comes out of nowhere, like the media loves to flood the story right in your face. So we're all pretty fairly well acquainted around Cyril Grayson. The big thing is the opportunity. I mean, Mike Evans is still kind of nursing that hamstring a little bit because that takes a little bit of time, especially someone right now. It's not his first season anymore. So he kind of started these injuries kind of start to lag around for a little bit more. We know um, Chris Goblin isn't coming back in the door. We sure as hell know Antonio Brown isn't coming back in the door anytime soon. <laughs> Um, look at these last couple weeks. He's caught nine of his 11 targets for 162 yards, 81 yards in each of these games. Last week, the 33 yard touchdown score that we all saw as they knocked off the New York Jets. It's, I like him as their number two option this week, uh, playing alongside Mike Evans. All comes down to, like you said, when do they try to pull these guys? It depends on you know what's going on around. I'm sure it'll be scoreboard watching. Bruce Aaron's not his first rodeo. He knows what yeah. these playoffs are all about. Uh, but I think at that point, look, he's probably going to have his damage already done. You know, guys like, um, Tyler Johnson, and then same thing for like for uh, Brashard Perriman. They're probably also going to get a little bit around this game. But if I'm choosing one guy not named Mike Evans or Rob Gronkowski, it's going to be Cyril Grayson. Well, and I think you look at what Tom Brady, too. Like one of the things for him, I know just as a competitor, and I've actually been watching his Man in the Arena documentary. For for him, he's the type of guy like if you're proven to be reliable, if you come up big in exactly. big moments – He's going to go back to you. And that's exactly what Cyril Grayson Jr. did last week against the New York Jets in a game-defining drive. No timeouts left. 
He, yep. His focus was good. He caught the ball and was able to get in the end zone. I mean, that's that for Tom Brady. He's like, all right, hey, there's that trust now that I have with you. I'm going to keep coming back to you. So, and more and more times back. you see that you hear that out of the elite, the best of the best quarterbacks. Aaron yep. Rodgers has been quoted saying the exact same thing. You no, know, Tom Brady, obviously, Peyton Manning was the same way. Like he had his guy that he wanted to go to when the chips were on, when the chips were down, back against the wall. You have your locked in targets where, like, a lot of guys, where if you're a newer quarterback, you're kind of middling quarterback, like, you're almost more picking a spot and throwing to a spot, regardless of the number on the back of the jersey. Um, so for him to trust Cyril Grayson and pick that as my guy, I want to go to this situation, says a lot about their chemistry right now. Danger zone, baby, as we talked about there. And, you know, Gabriel Davis is also another one of those players that is really good at pro providing a dangerous element to uh, the Buffalo Bills offense here. And it's been nice to see him get a little bit more acclimated in the last several weeks here. You've got him, especially against this New York Jets defense I just have a very, very hard time seeing the Jets mm -hmm. kind of slowing him down. I don't imagine Stephon Gilmore is going to be in, in much of a position. Look, if, if they get a surmountable lead in this game, maybe even at halftime, if they're up by two to three scores, I can see them sitting in the second half because they're going to have the win locked up and they're also going to have the division locked up as well. So something to monitor, but I feel like the constant, yeah. despite those circumstances, Gabriel Davis is probably in a better position than guys like Emmanuel Sanders, Stephon Diggs in this game. Well, that's even if Emmanuel Sanders plays because he's still dealing with that knee injury. Um, like I said, I agree healthy. with you. Huh? They want him back healthy. They do, but the interesting thing with him, and I was actually kind of looking at this, I was kind of thinking about this next year. I was doing a mock draft the other day. I think it published today, maybe tomorrow. I'm not sure. Um, but with Stephon Diggs and this team, is like Cole Beasley's on the last year of his contract. They only signed a man, <laughs> they signed Emmanuel Sanders to a one year deal. Like, this is going to be Gabriel Davis's team alongside Stephon Diggs moving forward. There's no better time to submit that than right now. Like we saw what he did last year as a rookie come out of UCF and he's kind of done the same thing right now. Like granted, he had a little, a little bit of a slowdown game last week in his first game back from COVID caught three for 40. Uh, but prior to that, he had 15 points consecutive games with four touchdowns and in, including in three of his last four games, including three straight uh, heading into last week. So, I mean, Gabriel Davis, he brings that deep, that red zone element. He is that he's a playmaker for them. Like you said, Stefan Diggs likely going to get taken out at some point in this one. Damage might be done. And even if they leave him and bring in Mitch Trubisky and they want to sit Stefan and they want to sit uh, Josh Allen, Gabriel Davis is probably going to be just fine. He's a big enough wingspan where I think he's going to find success. And I don't see too much that the New York Jets are going to be able to do this week. One other player we're going to take a look at here is Darnell Mooney, wide receiver for the Chicago Bears. Now, no Justin Fields in this game. He is out due to testing positive for COVID. It is going to be the Andy Dalton show here, Tommy. And as we saw in the preseason, these guys have pretty good chemistry with one another, mm -hmm. uh, you know, especially against this Vikings defense. It does feature Patrick Peterson. They feature other guys, Cam Dancer. The secondary has given up a lot of big plays this season. Yeah. How do you foresee this going for Darnell Mooney? And why do you have him as one of your recommended start guys this week? I think part of it is talking about the chemistry. Like last week, we saw the exact similar thing. And last week, he had almost a 38% target share. 37.1 uh, was what he ended with with 13 targets. Hauled in seven of those for 69 yards and a touchdown against the New York Giants. Nice. It's kind of just this chemistry they have put together right now over the last five games. The uh, Minnesota Vikings have allowed 85 catches, almost 1,000 yards, and five touchdowns. They're dead last in points allowed to the position at just over at almost 43 fancy points per game to the wide receivers. They don't have much else going on. Allen Robinson hasn't done a single thing. Cole Komet's going to be an interesting thing, but if you want that splash play, it's Darnell Mooney. He showed it last year. Like we all saw that highlight play when he roasted Jalen Ramsey on a little <laughs> double move, that little stop and go. He yeah. has that in him. He's got that wiggle in him. It only takes one. And one all of a sudden, it's a 14 point play. And Andy Dolphin, if he comes out firing, Darnell Mooney, he's probably going to be his guy. Uh, yeah, this is going to be Mike Zimmer's potential last down with the Vikings, too, in the defense, unfortunately. And Matt Nagy's Our final game. So bad. I mean, this is going to be, yeah. We were talking about in PFN Weekly. We would love to see if this was the game that immediately afterwards, it's a race to the microphone to announce who's fired first. I would love guys. that. You know, I, I know I, I sound I sound insensitive right now. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But, you know, it's just one of those things when we look at bad coaching, Matt Nagy, the operational yeah. side has been so bad. We don't Chicago want person. anyone to lose their job. No. Plain and simple. Families are affected. People have to move. Things change. But if you're not winning, this is a production job. If yep. you don't produce, something has to change. It's nothing personal. It's just the work. It's just the job of the NFL. And even if your job, whatever we all do for our careers, like every one of us could be replaced if we don't do our job and they find someone else. Easily. All this is is just a more publicized version of that. Boom. I mean, you said it best there.
One one player to you know we were talking about incentives early on in this game. You know, in terms yeah. of our start sit here, starting AJ Green against the Seattle Seahawks. Now, obviously, I, I think we go back to last week for AJ Green, a big game against the Dallas Cowboys. Look, in a game that we thought that the Cardinals were going to get just walked out of the arena with, at least I did on my standpoint. Mm-hmm. AJ Green came up big. He's got some massive incentives he needs to accomplish yeah. in this game, as you were alluding to earlier. Is this the big reason why you got him enlisted as one of your starters this week? It actually is, because if you look at his season, he hasn't really done too much outside of a couple games. Like, he's been really yeah. inconsistent. And so it's like we talked, like I said, we what we alluded to earlier, like, what's the change in the behavior versus, okay, what's a normal game versus, okay, they are clearly trying to do something different here. Like, he hasn't had a 10 reception game, and he has just four games over 75 yards. The reason I bring this up is because of his incentives. After every 50, 60, 70, and so on receptions, he's getting an additional $255,000. He has 50 receptions right now. So if he gets 10 more, that's another quarter mil. Uh, also, there's another thing in there for every 100 yards receiving. The last one he still has left to clear is 900 yards. He's 50. So right now he has 50 receptions, 825 yards. Wow. So if he gets 10 receptions and 75 yards, he unlocks half a mil. I don't know about you. I would kind of like to have half a million dollars. So I would be in Cliff Kingsbury's ear. I would be in whether it's Cole McCoy, whether it is Kyler Murray's ear. Hey, guys. Look, I got a little bit of money here. You want that new Roly? Come at me. Like, I will help you out. <laughs> so I can see AJ Green have a little bit of a sneaky good game, literally just because money talks. Now, you know what I'm doing? I'm throwing bubble screen. I'm throwing smoke screen. I'm throwing slants. And then I'm throwing all a those couple little of pop deep passes. Balls the Chiefs oh. remain famous. Absolutely. Give me all the cheap little receptions you can give them. Like, they don't need to be deep shots. Just pepper them. You're good to yeah. go. You can get 75 yards and you can get 10 catches pretty quickly. That adds up with that route there. So, yeah, especially when a team with learns as much tempo. <laughs> well, now let's get to our sip portion here for wide receivers starting off, obviously, in the Baltimore Ravens, Marquise Hollywood Brown. No Lamar Jackson this week, more yep. than likely. It's already been announced that Tyler Huntley will start as the team takes on Big Ben, the Pittsburgh Steelers, and more than likely his final game in the NFL. I know for you, as somebody who supports the Steelers, yep. it's a big moment, so you kind of want to get your thoughts I on that. I had my big moment last week. Marcus. Last All week right. was our Super Perfect. Bowl. Yeah. I love it. Well, there you go. And he went out on top. Obviously, it was great. I mean, I, I love seeing those performances. Obviously, his career speaks for itself. Yeah. Um, you, you love the emotion of that. But you've got Marquise Hollywood Brown kind of as a sit option this week. Is that because of Tyler Huntley more than likely getting that relationship with Shad Bateman? Yeah. Or do you feel like just it, it doesn't work out with quarterback right now? I think right now it's just kind of this is lack of efficiency ever since they kind of switched to um, whether it was Josh Johnson or whether it was Tyler Huntley. Um, look, lack, last week he had 25% of the targets. Fantastic. Over the last four weeks, he's at 27% of the volume in uh, in Baltimore. Kind of about his average is not just a little bit higher than normal because normally it's him and Mark Andrews kind of trading punch for the one, too. Um, recently, though, like, we're kind of seeing Rashad Bateman kind of get phased in more and more because we know like he has the potential to be the number one, but that chemistry and the efficiency and there's that big playability between Marquise Brown and Lamar Jackson, they always wanted to exploit that, and there's a good reason why. But last week, despite seeing 25% of the targets, catches three balls for just 28 yards. Um, over these last four weeks, he has, only has 9.1 uh, PPR fantasy points per game as a wide receiver 42. In terms of expected fantasy points, like based on what we, the plays these guys have, like he's one of the worst players right now over these last four weeks against fantasy points per expectation, which is actually kind of the opposite of where we normally expect someone like him to be who kind of lives off some of these bigger plays. So for right now, I can't advise starting uh, Marquise Brown. Maybe they do get Lamar Jackson back for the playoffs. If they make the playoffs, that is, then we can kind of use him. But I think for right now, it's probably going to be a a season ender right now for Marquise Brown in terms of fantasy. We'll have to see how it goes there. Now, there's, you know, someone we've been talking about this week, Cedric Wilson of the Dallas Cowboys. He's listed as a sit option here. Now, obviously, the loss of Michael Gallup is big. They're taking on a Philadelphia Eagles defense. And look, Philadelphia right now, they're battered by COVID. Who knows who's going to play here? But you have Cedric Wilson listed as a do not start this week. The concern of me, actually, a lot of it comes down to the Cowboys offense, uh, more so than just where the Philadelphia Eagles are defensively in terms of protocols. It's the Cowboys just have not looked like the team we all expected kind of going into the season. Like ever since Dak Prescott kind of got hurt, came back and all that, like they just kind of seem to be struggling to find that identity. When we know as a team at any given week, given the talent that is on this roster, they could drop 45 points on anyone in the NFL. Like if we looked around the league in terms of just who has the most skill positions on their offense, I mean, it's like the Chiefs. It was the Dallas Cowboys. And it was like Tammy Buccaneers. Like that was probably your top three coming in the season. Um, they just kind of haven't put it together here recently. It's and it's Cedric Wilson kind of stepping into the exact same role that he had when Michael Gallup was out early in the, in the year. During those uh, from two, weeks two through weeks nine, 
He averaged 2.3 receptions on 3.4 targets for 36.6 yards. He had three touchdowns in those seven games, but that's not a high enough of an average that I'm willing to take that risk on knowing he's probably never going to be anything higher than the number four option on this team behind Amari Cooper, uh, behind ZD Lamb, and also behind Dalton Schultz. Um, even if they're in like this week, uh, Tony Pollard is also out. So I think Ezekiel Elliott would also be just in line for that number four. So you might see Cedric Wilson as that, you know, a deeper target, but I don't think the volume is going to be or the consistency to worth starting. Like it's a great name and he's coming into a very big role on this team. I just don't think it's going to be worth it right now. Especially here in week 18, you want to have big moments in the playoffs. I know that hurts fantasy managers to hear if they pick them up this week. But uh, let's go to Miami now. You know, you one of the guys you had listed as a sit was Tua Tungo-Vailoa, but now you got there's a wide receiver counterpart yep. there in Devontae Parker. As we talked about it, Waddle Watch is in effect right now in Miami. Does that have a lot to do with your choice here this week with uh, Parker being a sit option? Yeah, a good part of it. If we look at the first part of the season, Devontae Parker was one of the more consistently underrated players. He was averaging 4.9 receptions, 8 targets, and 65 uh, yards per game in his first seven games this season. But we kind of see him all of a sudden now start to struggle. Like, despite seeing a 71% snap share against New Orleans, he had zero targets. Uh, last week, he had 46 receptions and 14 on, on uh, sorry, 46 yards on four receptions. But it took 13 targets to do so in a game where Miami was getting blown out, ended up losing by 31 points. Um, I think in this one, they're trying to get, you know, Anquan Bolt, the record's on the line. Jalen Waddle, we expect him to get that. So I could see that going, like I said, the whole thing. They're going to try to feed uh, feed Jalen Waddle. I could see him having a bigger game in this one, kind of just out on Devontae Parker. If he is going to see like the Patriots number one, they kind of take him away a little bit. He had a decent game in week one, but I think right now that kind of wear that's kind of worn off. And right now, Tua has this chemistry with Jalen Waddle and also Mike Zeki. So I think kind of diminishes Devontae Parker's value. If he gets a touchdown, he'll be fine. That's kind of always kind of been his MO. He always had a little bit of a bit of a touchdown dependency in his game. But without the consistency and the volume right now, I can't do Devontae Parker, especially if I'm thinking that uh Tua talking about low is also going to be a sit for me. Our final wide receiver on the Tommy Garrett sit list here in week 18 of fantasy football action, Jerry Judy. And I don't want to steal your thunder here, Tommy. I can just easily tell you why, Lee Jim, and why you're this week. He's coming off the COVID reserve list. Now, Drew Locke is in the starting lineup. The Broncos have been able to move the ball downfield. Now, in the last yeah. two weeks, Cortland Sutton has had 93 total yards in two weeks. Prior to that, the prior six to seven weeks, he had a only total of 91 yards, and that was with Teddy Bridgewater under center. So there is a boost there. Maybe, just mm-hmm. maybe, you might see a little bit, but I wouldn't bank on the inconsistency of the Denver Broncos offense right now if you were a fancy manager that has Jerry Judy here specifically and more than likely Pat Shermer's final game as the Broncos offensive coordinator. It has been very frustrating to watch. They've struggled to run the ball. The passing volume has been there for Drew Locke in the last couple of weeks here. However, if you are trying to win a championship matchup this week, I would not recommend it against a Kansas City Chiefs defense. Denver will take shots downfield, but more than likely it'll be very risky if you do play Judy this week. That's just my thoughts, Tommy. Wrap it up. Move it on. All right, let's go to the tight end position now. Who you should start this week. Let's take a look at Buffalo Bills tight end Dawson Knox taking on the New York Jets. Look, the Jets, uh, unfortunately, their defense, it seems like you want to play a lot of people against them this week. We had Devin Singletary earlier. We also had Gabriel Davis and now Dawson Knox, who really has been that efficient volume guy, especially when you talk about the red zone. But he's also the guy that if you need a big-time play, Josh Allen might find a way to just hit him quickly, and he's going to do the rest with his legs at the tight end position. Why do you have Dawson Knox this week against the Jets? Look, it's all matchup. Like, Dawson Knox has actually struggled here recently. In the beginning of the season, it was very much a touchdown dependency, but it's also high volume play. He kind of is taking a little bit of a step back in the offense after he kind of broke his hand and had to leave the field for a little while. Um, but at any week, you know what can happen with Dawson Knox. A lot of it said it's the New York Jets. They've allowed four touchdowns to tight ends in their past six games and three different tight ends score at least 11 PPR points. We're expecting the Bills to have a good game. Dawson Knox is one of Josh Allen's favorite targets. The Jets are bad. Add all that together. Dawson Knox starting this week. <laughs> well, let's go to the other counterpart here at tight end. It's going to be Zach Ertz taking on a Seattle Seahawks defense that has just been so ridiculously bad this season. And the last mm-hmm. couple of seasons, the defense has been really bad. But for the Arizona Cardinals, obviously, this is a great option. I think Zach Ertz has really found a resurgence inside Arizona. And obviously, he's going to be in a prime position to help them in the playoff run there. Uh, you know, why him against the Seahawks defense this week? I'll tell you what, though, like this was this one of the better moves that we saw happen all during the season. Like, I feel yes. like Zach Ertz to the Arizona Cardinals was one He's of the redeemed, best moves. Finally. I loved it. Yeah. I, it's, and also kind of it brought him back up to about the highest value we've seen since the emergence of Dallas Goddard, because um, right now he's being peppered with targets in an offense that didn't really do that 
before now because they, like, part of it is they didn't really have the personnel like you didn't have a talent the caliber of Zach Ertz so you're going to use that but it's really been effective in this on this team last week caught seven of his nine targets for 41 yards the last time those two these two teams played eight catches for 88 yards and two touchdowns on nine targets uh Ertz has 11 PPR points in three games in a row I don't see any reason this stops now especially to get in they get they get up early I expect that damage will have been done by this point to make Zach Ertz a starter you only need a touchdown for a tight end He's got that tight end up, that touchdown upside. We cover for the tight ends. I like him as a low end tight end one. He's always making these crazy catches too. In the last couple of weeks, I've seen him against the Colts. He had that one hander down the left sideline. I love yeah. seeing that from him. I think that was actually our image when we talked about starting him. I think that was the image, the picture that we included. It was a good there. one to pick. It was so, a good one to pick. Might as well. Well, let's move on to the final two tight ends that Tommy Garrett suggested fancy managers sit this week. No fan of the Denver Broncos here. Now, coming off of a big-time game yep. against the Los Angeles Chargers, this is one of those expectations where maybe he's going to come back down to earth a little bit, not based on his product, but based on the Broncos' inconsistency mm-hmm. more than likely as well. They're going against a Kansas City Chiefs secondary that has always had success against Denver, especially when covering Noah Fant. Daniel Sorensen has looked like an all-pro against Denver, covering Noah Fant, which you know is not necessarily Noah Fant's fault. It's a product of the offense there. But then Tyron Matthew. Those guys are going to be lurking to whatever side Noah Fant is on yes. alongside Cortland Sutton. I just have a hard time believing it as well. Like, even if I had no fan in my league, I'd have a very hard time playing him this week. I mean, you nailed all the points that were going through when I was going through my start sets this week, my rankings. Last time these, te- these two teams played, the Chiefs held fan to four receptions and 33 yards. Um, it sucks coming trying to do this to a guy who's coming off one of his best games of the season. It's actually his second best game of the season. 21.2 PPR points against the Chargers. Caught six of his seven passes for 92 yards and a touchdown. It's like you talked about. They're starting to move him vertically in the offense, which is what we have wanted to see out of someone who is as rangy and as mobile as Noah Fant. 50 yards in three of his last four games, um, and it was his first 11-plus point game uh, since week six. Like I said, a lot of this comes down to the matchup and just some of these inconsistencies for the Denver Broncos. I just wouldn't chase the points we saw last week because I don't think it's probably going to come back this week. Well, lastly, let's go to the Los Angeles Rams tight end. Tyler Higby is listed as the final sit option this week. I, I think when we look at the writing on the wall, right, this could be the Cooper Cup watch. Yep. You know, we, we look at them against the San Francisco 49ers. I imagine Matthew Stafford, Sean McVay, like we talked about with incentives, they're going to probably try to feed Cooper Cup this week. Yeah. That that's pretty much all it is. Like he's coming, he's coming off one of his best games of the season. Six six receptions on nine targets for sixty nine yards against Baltimore. Nice. The whole thing with Tyler Higby is we wanted him to be separated from Gerald Everett last year, because um, we saw with these when one was on the field and one wasn't. Like all of a sudden we had a tight end one when they were both on the team together. Neither of them produced. But like you you nailed it. It's Tyler Higby. This is not his game. Sorry, bud. You're you're great. You can come back in the playoffs. This is the Cooper Cup game. He needs 12 more yards to surpass Michael Thomas's uh, single-season reception record, and he needs 136 yards to surpass Calvin Johnson's single-season uh, receiving record. Like he's not going to be the focal point in this game. I'm sorry, it's going to be all Cooper Cup. Like everyone knows, and like everyone's like, okay, they know the ball's coming to him. They know they're going to try. They've known the ball was going to Cooper Cup all year, and defense <laughs> have been able to do diddly squat. Like so, it doesn't matter. Like all of a sudden, oh, it's a final game. No, like he's going to get this record. Like. I could I very easily think Cooper Cup's probably going to get this one. It's going to come in the fourth quarter. Don't get me wrong. Like, this is not an easy one to get. 12 and 149 is a big game. But you give me Cooper Cup, I'm going to take those odds over me. Everyone else on this passing game, I've got to downgrade them. I can see Higby maybe getting a touchdown. If this is a shootout back and forth, I can yep. maybe see him getting a touchdown. But when we talk about volume, which what is something you need at tight end or flex positions, yep. Probably not going to be Tyler Higby's best game here. It's going to be Cooper Cup as always. But and if anything, you know, if they get in the red zone, they're going to Odo Beckham Jr. That too. I mean, he's been. Can we talk about how fantastic he's been there Please. for them since coming over? Without question, it's been fantastic to see. And obviously, everyone's like, "Oh yeah, well, OBJ was the problem in Cleveland." Apparently, apparently not, because they're still having those same issues there in Cleveland. I was going to say, is that a bit of a nail in the coffin in the status or the case for Baker Mayfield to be a starting quarterback? His inability know. to use Baker Mayfield uh, to use Odo Beckham Jr. Or is it the situation, the change from Kevin Stefanski and change the offense to bring in Odo Beckham Jr.? Then he gets hurt and tears his ACL. Then you have the part, first part of the season where he's also just trying to get back and get healthy. So I think yeah. it's part of it. Like, is it just the inability of Baker Mayfield to use him? Or is it more just the situation? Because to me, it's like we everyone points back to, okay, the throws Baker was making at the end of the season were ones he wasn't making with Odo Beckham Jr. Part of that just came down to comfort building the offense. Like, 
he was just targeting that same route. And it just so happened to be Rashard Higgins or Donovan Peoples Jones in that same role. Like, I think it was more just a timing aspect. And like, it just never seemed to mesh more so than I think it's anything to do against Baker and Odo Beckham Jr. You know, I think for Baker, I think he has a chance to rebound. And look, I know there's a lot of Browns yeah. fans that want Baker gone, which I think is crazy right now because I I'll think take him he, on Pittsburgh. I'd take him in Denver easily. But I think the thing with Baker, and we talked about this as well, I think his biggest issue was playing hurt. I think he should have shut it down. I understand yeah. he's trying to play for a contract. He hurt himself more. He hurt the team by being out there because even though it was on his non-throwing shoulder, his mechanics and his standard base weren't good enough. They were too inconsistent, especially when he's rolling out to his left or even to his right and trying to throw. His well, see, that's shoulder sometimes Kevin comes Stefanski in was doing him no favors. No. Why you throw? Why you're rolling into a guy left when that shoulder is injured and he can't rip and pull through to try to yeah. get velocity on that? Like you talk about the injuries, like he's pulling exactly what what uh, Gardner Minshew did last year. Yep, two guys who were unsure about their status. Like the Gardner Minshew knew they were going to draft another quarterback, but he tried playing all season with an injured thumb and it ended up hurting his stock. And now he's a backup quarterback. Like. Did Baker Mayfield make the same fatal mistake Gardner Minshew did? I don't know. I think both those guys deserve shots to be starting quarterbacks, my opinion personally. Yeah. I think they need to do it on different teams, though, because I don't know if Baker Mayfield will ever get a second chance in Cleveland or if their other fan base and the organization has already decided to move away from it and they're using this fifth-year option as like a, a stopgap to get them through the somewhat poor class. Like, there's some decent guys. Kenny Pickett's, Matt Corral's, um, uh, Desmond Ritter's, um, guys like that like there's some decent players this Malik Willis but it's almost a stopgap to get them through to the 2023 season as they evaluate Baker Mayfield for one more year potentially go with a veteran um, a veteran route but I just want to can't help but wonder if those injuries did play it was one to be one of the damning things at the end of his Cleveland career well let's say free agency approaches I could legitimately see Baker end up in Pittsburgh just to take it to the Cleveland Browns twice a year I could yeah. see it happening so I would be look, I, happy, I think I know gonna, they want to go with a veteran quarterback good. they don't want to go rookie no, which understandable. I I think that Baker yep. Mayfield's going to be fine. I think a lot of what we saw this year, yes, you know, he does have to you know work on some of his decision making things there. But yes. outside of that, it's I think a lot of it is just the the raw areas of his mechanics that were impacted due to his injury. He should have shut it down. I think he hurt himself big yep. time by not I'm doing it. So we'll see him maybe bounce back. But look, it's going to be a contract year for Baker next year, and you know, hey, maybe Pittsburgh might wait another year. Who knows? But. I can see it happening, but ladies and gentlemen, you know what else I can see happening in the mood for fantasy football on Mondays, Tuesdays, and Fridays here on twitch.tv slash pro football network. You get myself, Tommy Garrett, and occasionally BJ Riddell will jump on from time to time as we talk all things fantasy football, but most seasons are going to be ending, so now we're going to start transitioning to beginning next week. We're going to start looking at maybe some team performances. We're going to talk about players that surprise us in the fantasy world on specific teams. We're going to go team by team there. We may even go position by position, standouts, surprises, disappointments. You can expect that and much more here on twitch.tv slash pro football network a pro football network weekly production of in the mood for fancy football ladies and gentlemen i hope you have a great rest of your weekend tommy it was great seeing you as always my friend i'm gonna rest up because i just got the booster shot and my arm about to fall off and i'm about to pass out my friend but with that said great seeing you can't wait to talk with you here on monday my friend